Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Okay, we know how it all works. Sarah knows how it all works. Jim's all very happy. How, nobody's eaten any croissants yet. No? Best bacon sandwich I've had for a long time, just down the road, Tom. I'm offended. I, I genuinely <laughs> picked these up myself. I thought they were fake. Did you really? <laughs> just at home looking in. <laughs> did, yeah. Just ceramic croissants with a little yeah. bit of dusting on top. Uh, real croissants, I can confirm. Uh, but let's do some talking points. Uh, first of all, this week, we're going to deal with what actually Sarah and I mentioned at, at the top of the programme. You wake up to this morning's papers, and it is, as far as sport goes, front-page news, but it is Liverpool and what was a very busy weekend of sport. Uh, but the derby really doesn't get a look in, Jim McGrath. Um not a surprise, really, in the modern world. The, uh, the football is, is still king. Um, we've had the Cricket World Cup. We've had boxing. Uh, we had a great day yesterday. But I think you've got to go to page 19 of The Sun in this morning's papers, The Sun on Sunday, before there's something about the derby. And I'm sure there is something in there, but I couldn't see it in the early pages of, say, the Daily Mail. It really is a joy as a, a Tottenham fan to see all these pictures of, of Liverpool players enjoying themselves. That's great. But it's, uh, going back to, to Euro 96 and 1996, they moved the time of the derby on that occasion to, to earlier on in the day to accommodate a, a football game. But, uh, I mean, is that where we are in this modern era of where it's a, a, a very well-attended sport, Sarah, is, is horse racing? But as far as it, it being front-page news, the, the derby... Whether or not we had the, the Liverpool game, it was never really going to translate onto the. To the yeah, I page. think we're you're only going to be disappointed if you expect it to compete with those kind of sports. Like, I, it shouldn't be a niche sport, but um, I think we should have more confidence in it. You know, sometimes I think the way we talk about it on, on terrestrial TV or that is sort of insecure. You know, the, they they love saying every time anything nice happens that this is a great story, great for racing. Just calm down. It is a good sport. We're getting good results, and and just be happy with that. Do we suffer from an insecurity complex in racing, do you think? Uh, I think if you look back, and, and I, I did this only because we were looking when did trains start and trainers and that sort of thing. Epsom, talking about the Derby, the, the derby was a four-day, of course, race meeting, but it was a ten-day fair. You know, ra- ra- I'm not saying racing was incidental, but racing was part of it. It wasn't, it's the derby and there's a fair on. It was the other way around. There's a ten-day fair... And, and, there's, uh, and there's some racing on, by the way. And, OK, it's a busy sporting Saturday, and there's some racing on. And what good racing it was, too, uh, yesterday afternoon, including over two days at Epsom. Now, funding. Jamie Osborne in the Post recently talking about a, a funding farce, underlining the need for racing to uh, conduct a, a radical rethink. Off the back of a, a quite a severe shortfall as far as prize money goes, Jim, do, do we need to have a rethink as to, to how money is reinvested back into the sport? We could spend a month on this. and We've got two minutes. Right, we've got two minutes. Well, firstly, what he said is, is it time for a consensus and looking at a way of pooling rights and an independent um, uh, person or body acting on racing's behalf? Because there's so many factions in racing, you, will n- you need consensus of opinion. You can't... Not this time last year, some of the main racing groups wouldn't talk to one another, never mind negotiate. Fact, there's not enough money. Fact, you want better staff and a better life. You want better rewards for the people who put the sport on. They're not getting them. The answers aren't easy. His was a thought-provoking article, and maybe some good will come of it. Something needs to be done. Has there ever been enough money? 
Are, are we are we at a time now where it's worse than it used to be, or is this a a, a constant struggle racing has always had and will always be facing up to. Well, you said we got two minutes. I, I, I honestly can't really answer that properly. I mean, I was on the BHA ten years ago and we tried to do something and the horseman stopped it. Mm. So that took us back a little bit in terms of funding. Um, then it started to build up again, but it built up again from a position that had gone downwards. The minimum, the minimum prize money on the flat in Ireland for any race is €9,000. Now, they have a different funding system to us and we haven't got time to go into it. But the fact is... What did, I mean, I said to you, you're a relatively young trainer, and I said, uh, is it 9,000 euros? You said, well, it's a lot more than over here, for sure. Yeah, and you've a lot more racing over here, so maybe, I don't know if this would be popular, but perhaps there's too much racing. And if you cut back on the racing, then there wouldn't be so much of a problem with prize money. But there's only one, one, one body that can do anything about cutting the racing, and that's the BHA, who own what we call uh, fixtures that aren't tied to any race course. Other race courses are not going to give up fixtures. Epsom as a training centre. We had a brilliant two days on the Epsom Downs. We saw a, a brilliant uh, finish to, to day one. Uh, local trainer Simon Dow just touching off Jim Boyle in, in that last race. And, and Simon was, was talking about how important it was for those local trainers to have local winners at the meeting. Epsom's at a tipping point. We need to ensure it becomes a compelling site. Epsom, given your history in the sport, Jim, is, is it not the force of old at the moment? Well, not at top level, but uh, Epsom's not alone in that. I mean, the north on the flat is having a particularly resurgent time with what Richard Fahey's done in, in, in recent years, Kevin Ryan, and then, of course, on top of all that, you've got Mark Johnson as well. But how many derby runners have those three had in the last few years? Mm. I mean, the fact is the top middle distance uh, horses and bloodlines are in very few yards. So it's not just Epsom. Yes, it's factually true about Epsom. I think since Terry Mills and Jeff Lewis, they haven't had what we would call serious derby contenders. And Terry, Terry Mills had a handful of very good horses, Jeff Lewis a few more. And then if you go back forward to the days of Staffingham, there were probably more around then still. But yes, Epsom has a problem, but it's not confined to them with regard to derby runners. Is it proximity to... London that's the problem should that should that actually be a be a good thing or is it the fact that is there is the rise of the new market's always been there but the the popularity and the the pedigrees in and around new market is that is that sort of detract or taking owners attention away from Epsom do you think uh, it's a good question I don't know I mean I don't know why um Amongst the bigger owners, there are so few of them represented there and to a lesser extent in the north but it but it is the case it is. Uh, it was great to see two Epsom trainers um, fighting out that, that battle on, on day one. Um, and, and Simon highlighting just how important it is to Epsom that um, they have representation at the meeting. Um, Jim Ball has been very outspoken about the struggle that is um, training in Epsom, but also how much they, they want to reinvest in it and, and keep it at the very top of, the, top of its game. Uh, what about keeping on the theme of, of trainers how difficult it is for some trainers, and, and Sarah, this is uh, relevant to you, how difficult it is to, to make ends meet, rich, poor, or, or somewhere in between. How much does a, a trainer really earn? Does it matter how many horses you have in your care? What, have, have you been surprised earnings-wise or potential earnings-wise as a trainer coming into the sport how easy it may be, how difficult it may be? Um, I don't. I wouldn't say I was surprised, but I think other people have a false idea. You know, people probably think trainers are rolling in money and... Um, but they're just looking at the top few and a lot of trainers are, are struggling. A lot of trainers do, all, do a lot of the work in the yard, struggle to make ends meet. They're kind of depending on a good horse that maybe they can sell on to make some money, you know. So that's about winners, more about business. Do you, 
do you think people do come into the sport with a with a false idea about it and think it? You know, train. You'll be okay. Horses pay for themselves. You charge training fees, therefore it's okay. And a bit of prize money on top is great. But but look, you need the success there, don't you, to make ends meet as a trainer? Um, I think. Uh, well, as a trainer, I've never been a trainer. I mean, I've, I've been a, an owner. The most I've ever had in terms of numbers is I had shares in eight horses one year. Um, stupid, stupidly, of course. Uh, that, that's long gone. I've been a hobby breeder over the last few years. But the fact is, never mind training at the minute. That that is. That has and always will be tough. Um, business, living, buying houses in Britain, confidence in us as a country at the minute, the way the, the pound is, all those things that, that influence whether people have luxury money or any money to spend on, on other things uh, are factors. And we're not in a good place as a country, in my opinion, at the minute. So it's not surprising that something like racing, particularly at the lower end, uh, is struggling. I mean, as a hobby breeder with what I thought were two reasonable progeny at the sales last year, I couldn't get rid. I could hardly get rid of them, mm. uh, and took a big loss. And I'm in keeping with a lot of other people. Uh, is it is it is it owners? Is it is it attracting the right sort of owners that's that's essential, Sarah? I don't know about that. I think some people owners might have the false idea that you make money off your training fees, and and you don't. It, it's just hopefully you'd win prize money. You need a good horse. Uh, back to, to mental health, this is something that, that, that's cropped up a few times on uh, Luck on Sunday. It's all over the sport at the moment, really, for all the good reasons. This is George Buckle uh, in a charity bout after fighting depression. That was through uh, much of last year, uh, where uh, really he, he, he felt he wasn't in the right place to, to be in the saddle. Sarah, this is something I think, for a lot of good reasons, we're seeing more and more of, because for whatever reason, individuals are feeling better about talking about it. It's great that people are talking about it because then people probably don't feel so alone. But then, once people speak out, maybe it's better to try and do things to change it. You know, I I notice in racing at the at the minute, since it's a lot of young lads talk about their problems. I think apprentices aren't really being grounded in the sport as they were before. You know, a lot of them try to be freelance, go to different yards, and they don't have a master talking to them and and teaching them the ways of the sport. It's just kind of like, it seems like young teenagers having to be in the world of older men and, and, and fend for themselves. So it does seem like it would make sense that people might find that tricky. You can be thrust into this game pretty quickly, can't you, Jim? Yeah, I think that's a, very, that's a very good point. You're expected to be a man and maybe, I don't know, I'm, if it's a generalisation and, and, and it's, uh, I've, I've got it wrong, fine. Um, I come from a different generation. Maybe people are a little bit um, softer and have more expectations these days. But if you have those and you're brought up that way and you are, as Sarah said, particularly in racing, if, you're, if you've got any sort of talent, immediately thrown into riding against fully grown, blown adults at the ages of 16, 17. You might be able to cope with the physical side, but mentally, it must be very, very demanding and tough. Uh, I'm not saying this is the same reason, but we lost another talented uh, young rider in Tim Jones, who was attached to Mickey Hammond's yard, still uh, at college at Ascombe Bryham, uh, school before that. I met him briefly at John Joe O'Neill's, which is a, work, a week's work experience there, uh, about 18 months ago. And he was very well regarded by everybody. He's no longer with us. Very, very sad. Uh, Enables campaign uh, appears to have been slightly held up. It was something that John Gosden addressed in his press conference after Annapurna won the Investec Oaks. Uh, we are we we thought we would like to see it at Epsom. Uh, we're now going to have to wait a little bit longer again. We waited last year, and at the end of the year, everything worked out perfectly, and everyone was very happy. But I, I mean, yes, it's a shame because we want to see her on course. Is it a worry at all, Jim, that we're, we're not going to see her as soon as we thought we were? 
It's not a worry because I don't want to see her if um, she's if not she, right. If she's not going to be the enable we are. And um, Henry Cecil used to call horses like flowers. You know, just when they're ready and they and they bloom. And John Gosden is a man uh, of uh, amazing experience and talent. And she's not ready to run, so she's not running. It's disappointing for fans, but it's the right thing. I mean. She was fantastic last year when she re reappeared in the September Stakes, and then she went on. She she won an arc, and it was the, the most incredible campaign. We know that's where she's going to be campaigned again. Uh, if she isn't right, she she she's simply not going to run. In some ways, as racing fans, I think we feel we we sort of we we, we should see her because yeah, but she's we shouldn't be greedy, you know. But, but we are being she's greedy. Plenty aren't we? already, and if she comes, if if she's right and she comes back and she goes for an eclipse or an arc or. Like, they were very sporting with her last year. They didn't wrap her up in cotton wool. They gave us plenty with her, you know. We had plenty of times to cheer her on. So you just can't force them, you know. They're ready when they're ready. And the point is she's still in training. That's the good thing. She's still in training, but the point is with, with sport, any sort of sport where at, at top level, small fractions count, but small fractions make massive differences. And if a horse is just, she's just working okay and she, or she's had a little bit of a setback uh, and she's been held up, it, it's better to wait and try and get her so she's the enable we know and love rather than, oh, she's enabled, she might be all right, I, in my opinion. If we're, we're sat here and she's won a, a, another arc at the end of the season, we, we're not going to look back here and remember, oh, we didn't get to see her at Epsom, are we? We're yeah. going to move on pretty quickly from that. It's um, amazing they kept her in training anyway. It is, yeah. And it, I don't think it's something that, that we've seen with uh, Prince Khaled Abdullah. He does quite often, and, and, and that's great that that is the case with him. What about um, uh, jockeys and Frankie Dottori? We touched upon um, him wanting to stay riding in order to enjoy the great success he's having now, but potentially to ride against his, his son in the future. It's amazing to think that there was a time, perhaps four or five years ago, where this man might have, have said, that's it for me, I'm, I'm done, I've achieved everything I can. And then two oaks and a derby later, here he is talking about carrying on for another four or five years. Yeah, it is. Um, I think he's always wanted to ride uh, as long as he was fit and able. And, you know, it's not, if it's something else that spurs him on and keeps it going for a bit longer, fantastic. I mean, I never thought, you know, that, that this man with a, this almost man-child is now talking about riding, riding against his son. And he'll be end up, if that's the case, he, he might be going on longer than Scobie Breezy at this, <laughs> at this rate. There's a great moment with, with uh, Jimmy Quinn when he won on his horse. And, and Frankie literally came out to sort of clap him in, also to hurl some abuse at him, as you'd mentioned. <laughs> and Jimmy came on after as he said, I'm a... I'm a handicapped jockey. He's a classic winning jockey. But that camaraderie is still very much there between the two of them. Well, I think I'm right in saying that Jimmy Quinn started in racing with Richard Fahey, and I know how old Richard Fahey is, so that tells me how old <laughs> Jimmy Quinn is. So fair play to him for, for, for still being in the winner's enclosure on big days. It is phenomenal to think that, that jockeys health permitting can, can go on for as, as long as they do now in the saddle and, and still riding at the top of their game. Some would say now, Sarah, there's, there's still not a better big, ride, big race rider than Frankie de Torre. Oh, he's, he's, at, he's one of the best, if not the best. But I think, I think I've heard John Gosden say that he looks after himself. I mean, he doesn't want to trudge down to the evening meetings and that kind of thing. So that's probably the key to his longevity. And uh, he loves the attention as well, so he wouldn't want to give up the limelight. <laughs> <laughs> but that, there is that, and that is part of it. But we're still hailing him as great for the sport for that reason, aren't we, Jim? Oh, he is great for the sport. He's one of the few names that transcends the sport. Frankie, people know who he is. He's done so many different things um, and, and, you know, in small doses. He's, he's a big asset to us. That bell signifies that is it for this week's Talking Points.
And that was a very uh, dramatic Kentucky Derby a few weeks back. It was won by Flavian Pratt, but that doesn't necessarily tell the full story. Christina Blacker caught up with the Kentucky Derby winning jockey. We're here at Santanita with jockey Flavian Pratt. You're atop the jockey standings here. A banner year, having been named the official winner of this year's Kentucky Derby. I want you to take me back, though, just to before that week and that weekend. You had never ridden Country House before. How did you obtain the mount? Uh, well, um, I know Alex Solis, who manage uh, the, the connection of the horse. And uh, we've been good friends, and uh, so he asked me if I would like to ride a horse, so of course I say yes. So being out here and, you know, as I say, being at the top of the standings, do you think that puts you in a good position with those East Coast trainers? If Alex wants to go to the Hall of Famer, Bill Mott, and say, you know, Flavian's available, does that make him look at you in a different light with the success you've had here? Well, it pro I mean, it definitely helped. Uh, now it doesn't mean that, you know, they have to go to me first, but it definitely helped, yeah. You've spent some time riding back east as well. Have you had a chance to get to know many connections back there and to keep your options open this time of year? Um, yeah, I mean, I, st I started to build a little bit of business on the east coast. It's it's harder because most of the time I'm here and uh, you can you can be everywhere. But but I'm starting, you know, having connection and uh, and as of right now, everything goes well. Going very well. Take me into the week leading up. You were on the favorite for the Kentucky Oaks with Bellafina, so I'd imagine you wouldn't expect things to turn out the way that they did. She didn't run her race, but Country House certainly did. Take me through the trip, though, with him, everything that you remember from start to finish with the Derby. Well, we had a great trip. He actually broke quite well. Um, we were on the outside, so it was perfect. I, you know, I didn't have to rush him, and uh, I mean, we uh, entered the first turn in a good position without being too wide. So I thought it was great. Um, I mean, on his r races before, I used to be really off the pace. Where that that day was actually pretty close, and uh, and you know without asking him. So I thought it was a good, good. I mean, a great thing. And uh, then we entered on the backside. I was traveling really well, actually. Was really surprised. And uh, and after that, you know, I just tried to get my my way through uh, through the last turn and uh, and and uh, turning foam and after that uh, it was history yeah. it was history maximum security did come out he did impede the path of quite a few horses how significantly did you feel like your horse was affected by what went on well i thought i was affected uh i didn't know how much so that's why actually i, I climbed far i thought you know i thought i've been pushed out it, it's hard at that time of the race it's hard to tell you know if it was a lot or not, and you know it was a derby, and I I didn't want to get back to a jockey and regret all my life that you know I didn't do my best. So I thought you know what let's uh, let's 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 look at it, and, uh, and that's what happened. It took the stewards 22 minutes to decide. The longer that they were looking at it, and the longer that you watched the replays, what was going through your mind in that time? Um, well, we were. Actually, happy to run second. Uh, I mean, I think the whole connection would would be happy with the second place. But uh, as you know, the longer it takes, the better it is when you know. Uh, I mean, in my position, so so I thought it was pretty. Uh, I mean, the longer it takes, I was like, "What? Oh, they might gonna take him down?" And well, when they took him down, it was it was a great feeling, you know, a relief and uh, well, if, you know, I mean, you feel bad for for the connection of the maximum security but you know it's part of races and it is what it is it is and they have to you know, adjudicate the races whether it's the kentucky derby or a race on a thursday in the same manner each and every day did you have any words with Luis Saez afterwards just to sort of kind of 
smooth things over. I know there wasn't any hostility, but I imagine it's difficult in his position and also difficult in yours to really soak up the win when he had it taken away. Yeah, it must be difficult. We didn't see each other because uh, after after the race, you get to go to you know press conference and stuff. So we didn't see each other yet. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean it, it must really really hard for him, and uh, you know, I, I I understand his position. I know you're a perfectionist, so I know, is there a part of you that wants to go back out there and win the Derby again and just have it be all yours, no drama, none of this going on? Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely want to now cross the line first. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, at the end, I'm a Kentucky Derby winner, and we're going to try to do it again. Talk to me about the second half of the year. We're coming into June. What are your goals as we go through 2019? Well, there's Denmark. You know, we're going to go to Denmark, and now you got to find a good two years old for the for the end of the year and the, the next year so you you know you can't you can't slow down end of the year also has the breeders cup right here at your home track does that give you an advantage do you think yes i think um, i think it's a definitely a, an advantage because you ride horses to run all year long on that track and you know the track really well you know so i think yeah it is, it is an advantage you know the track better than anybody. What would you say to any European riders that will be coming over to ride this track for the Breeders' Cup, whether it's their first time or just their first few times being here? Well, I think it's one of the best tra- track in uh, in North America. Uh, we have a great turf and uh, a great dirt too. So I, th- I think, I mean, we, I mean, Breeders' Cup has been run f- several times here, and I think it's one of the greatest places. You've ridden all over the world. What makes this home for you now? What makes California feel like home, or does it feel like home? It does feel like home. I mean, it's uh, our life. So I mean, life's so good. It's it's amazing. Congratulations on the banner year so far, and keep it going. Thank you, Vivian Pratt, your Kentucky Derby winner, and keeping that momentum rolling through 2019 here at Santa Anita and beyond. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai. Now, my next guest is a nine-time Irish champion flat jockey who, in a stellar career, amassed 11 classic victories between Britain and Ireland. Uh, The most recent of those, three years ago, when Harzan completed the English and Irish Derby double. That doesn't tell the full story of his life. The last 15 months have taken some getting used to, and some will be covering all that and more with the great Pat Smullen. Has it 
Asia Aquarius on the far side. Neck and neck as they race up towards the line. Right of passage and Pat Swallen lands the Gold Cup. Beats Asia Aquarius. Covered lovers in the lead for Pat Swallen. Kirby and Jack Naylor trying to bear down. But it's covered love for Hugo Palmer. who's going to win the darling Irish Oaks for Pat Swallen. Free Eagle showing in front. The Grey Gatsby is trying to get to him and he's making progress. Free Eagle shows in front. The Grey Gatsby is closing with every single stride. Free Eagle just going to the Grey Gatsby. And running up towards the finish. Fascinating rock. Avengers to the defeat last time of Bowden's success days. But Tarzan is pulling out more. And it's Tarzan in the colours of the Articard who has won the Investec Derby for Pat Swallow and Dermot Wells. And here he is alongside me, Pat Smullen. We were looking back at those. I just said to you, I backed back the Grey Gatsby that day, Pat. How could you do that? And he got a troubled passage, but you just said to me that was your best ride ever, you think? Uh, probably one of my better days, yeah. Um, there was going no pace that day, and we were sitting back a little bit and moved up into a good position and just was the right place at the right time. How does it feel now, you, you looking back at, at those wins, those memories, because... We, we, we speak to, to ex-jockeys who have been forced sometimes to, to quit, um, not necessarily on their own terms and in their own time. And actually, I think some find it harder to almost watch back those those memories because you, you feel that there's still a sense of, of what might have been. How's it for you watching them? Yeah, back? no, no, I must I take pleasure in watching them back, to be honest with you. Um, I suppose what's after happening to me, you know, if it was injury or, you know, or you just went out of favour and your, your career had come to an end, uh, it, might be, it might be more difficult to take. But for me... Uh, you know, it, it was uh, for me. It's just reality that you know I'm very lucky to be where I am at the moment, and uh, and I'm very thankful for that. So uh, while it was a great career, I know it's over, and, and it's a time of moving on. But uh, no, I look back with great fondness, looking at those great great days. I said the last fifteen months would have taken some getting used to. It's been, I would imagine, a whirlwind for you since you were diagnosed with with cancer of the pancreas, where you immediately, of course, had to stop writing and, and went. Uh, with your family into a, an altogether very different battle. How difficult is it for you, or easy for you, to, to sum up what you and, and, and your family and the team behind you have been through over the last 15 or so months? It's quite easy, really, to sum it up. I mean, it was uh, obviously very, very unfortunate what happened and, and devastating for us all at the time. But uh, but it's a, it's a case of getting on with it then immediately. You know, uh, you know while I said uh, racing was everything for me, Prior to getting uh, getting sick, and uh, you know, my whole life revolved around racing, and uh, our lives revolved around racing. But uh, that quickly changed when uh, something as serious as this happens to you, and uh, it was a case of uh, the, the the illness took over our lives, and that we had to just get stuck in and try and deal with it, and uh, and it was all consuming really because uh, with treatment and then you know preparing for surgery and getting through it. So I mean, you know. Well, you might think that it'll be devastating, but your mind is active. You're all the time trying to just get through this and meet the next goal. And uh, so the time actually went reasonably quickly for me. But uh, as I said, until I had the surgery, then things slowed down a little bit. The recovery was quite difficult. But uh, but when you're in the middle of it, it's a case of getting on with it. And uh, I suppose that was the same as what I was when I was riding. It just was a case of getting on with it. Did you have any idea before that initial diagnosis that 
that something was seriously wrong? Were you open to the possibility of, of, uh, of your mortality and something being seriously wrong? Not really, no, to be honest. Uh, you know, I knew there was something serious as, as it went on. You know, from the middle of the previous season, you know, I was getting back pain and I was full sure it was after pulling a muscle or I was thinking back did I get a fall or a wrench or whatever and I was getting a lot of physiotherapy as you would anyway, you know, I would get physiotherapy regularly and uh, but the pain wasn't going away and if anything it was getting worse and I got through the season and went on holiday and <clears throat> I was hoping that it would disappear with a bit of time and rest but uh, while I was on holiday I was getting physiotherapy, getting massages because of the pain was getting increasing all the time and you know I, I had some blood tests and which I regularly do and uh, you know well nothing was showing but uh, eventually then uh, when I came back and was getting prepared for the for the upcoming season uh, it, this, I just knew that this is not right and mm. uh, I went to a great uh, Dr. Adrian McGoldrick who is obviously uh, we all know how great a man he is and uh, you know he, he realised it was something a little bit more serious and, uh, and, and then obviously set me on for the test but then when I went and had the tests I knew straight away that this was something very very serious. Do you think being a jockey and, and, and that's a career I think we associate with with pretty hard men, be it flat or jumps, what you put yourself through day in, day out. I think we'd associate many with having a higher pain threshold than most. I mean, in some ways, did, does that mean that you, you weren't aware of what was going on as soon as you may have been because of what you do, and therefore you, you kept on thinking, well, you know, look, it, it can't be that bad, or it's, it's a bit of pain, I'll deal with it, if you like. Yeah, I suppose you could say a little bit of ignorance. Uh, you know, you just sort of, again, I keep going back to, you know, and it is the mindset of a jockey is just, you know, just keep going and get on with it. And, uh, you know, the thoughts of missing a day or being out with injury, you know, you just don't envisage that and you just don't allow yourself to think that. So, yeah, I mean, I was kept pushing on. and uh, But, you know, realistically, I probably should have went and got myself checked sooner and uh, in knowing that it was a probably a little bit more serious than, than a, a pull muscle. But uh, I think that's the mentality of riders is that you just keep going and, until you have to stop. And uh, uh, and I suppose it is a tough it is a tough game and you have to be a t tough skin to to, to uh, succeed as a rider and uh, especially at a, at a higher level which I'd like to think I was at for, for a, a number of years of my career and uh, you know that when you get up there, that the you know the pressures of riding for a big stable and uh, big owners and on big days, you know you have to be mentally strong, and uh, so you know that that's the way I, I approached. You know, thankfully that mindset, I was able to bring that to to getting through the the, the illness. Did you decide that pretty much straight away that you, you hear of people being diagnosed with 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 such serious things as this, and and they say. I knew I was going to get through it. I mean, did you did you approach it like that straight away mentally? Did you tell yourself? Did you believe that this wasn't going to stop you? Very much so. Yeah. Um, you know, I just initially the shock, shock is the first uh, thing emotion you you, you uh, experience. You know, so your your mind is all over the place. But then, you know, I was very fortunate. I was in a very very good hospital with excellent staff, and I've been on record that I had a conversation with a with the head nurse in, in the on the ward, and she put my mind in the right place and how to go about this and uh, and then a huge support from you know obviously great family and uh, friends and and 
a lot of people within the industry and uh, so you know that that was very helpful for me to get through it but uh, but yeah you know it's uh, you just I, I never ever felt that this was going to beat me and uh, you know I, with that said I always had huge respect for what I had to go through and you know it was very very serious but but I just I just wasn't ready for it to to, to beat me I remember reading that you'd be there you'd be undergoing your treatment and you'd, you'd almost feel Surrounded by really sick people here, almost almost as if you weren't one of those, but of course you were. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, it's uh, I suppose you have to have that mindset because I, I genuinely feel that if, if you start to let it get in on top of you and start to think negative thoughts, I, I just have a feeling that the illness would, would thrive on that and, and then eventually it'll wear you down. So, uh, you know, I always went about it that you just get in, get the treatment, the treatment was going to work have the surgery while it was a very very big surgery and uh, it was a very difficult recovery I never never one day did I think oh this is getting me you know I never did and never allowed myself to think that way and uh, and uh, thankfully you know we've come out the other side or, or, or getting there anyway so um, you know so th as I said uh, thankfully that, that was the mindset that was very very much needed I think. You, you say coming out the other side so just where are you at the moment? You, you've obviously you've you've announced that you're you are no longer going to to ride. You have officially retired. That in some ways, Pat, is, is because you're healthy, because you are at a certain weight, and, and a race riding weight wouldn't be a sensible one for you to get down to. So, no. in some sense, health wise, that is entirely good news. Oh, it's extremely good news, and it was at the, at the end of the day, it was a very very easy decision for me to make. At the beginning, uh, yes, of course, the, the dream and the fairy tale would be to get back to race riding and. Hopefully, have ridden yesterday. You know what I mean. But uh, did, did you believe you you could? Did, was that uh, a do, do I, there was a thought, yeah. You know, and I, I said, you know, I could do this, and you know, I could get back to race riding. And uh, what did the family and, say? And, and, uh, look, Francis would always be in, uh, with everything that I've done in, uh, over the over the years. Look, whatever you decide to do, we're here 100 percent behind you, and that was brilliant. But. But I think deep down they were hoping that it wouldn't happen because, you know, going back to the lifestyle of all the wasting and sweating and, you know, the, trying to keep your, get the weight off, uh, you know, I think I'm a, a lot ha happier person now than I was when I was for the last 25 years. So uh, so I, I don't think they, both my children and, and Francis didn't want me to go back to that person. But, uh, but no, as I said, but realistically, if I was to sit down and but and, and the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know, it probably isn't the wisest thing in the world to to go back. And and one day it hit me. I was just after the surgery, you know, that the surgeon came in with with his team and uh, and they were really happy with how things went. And uh, and they, they, I was just saying to myself, how could you go back to abusing your body to get down to a weight to ride horses after all the good work that they have done to, to make me better and. That day, I made the decision that I wasn't going to ride again. How different uh, a person is Pat Smullen now to to the the man that that rode Harzan to both those Derby victories? Well, I think a lot, a lot, a lot different. I think a lot more content, a lot happier with life. Um, uh, and as I said, uh, you know, the the simple things in life make me happy now. Where uh, before, you know while you were riding and I think it's the, I think most riders would uh, would admit this but maybe some wouldn't but uh, you know you've never enough you know even if you won the derby it was it's all about the next day and you know and delivering and riding winners and and, and you put a lot of there was no pressure being put on me from Dermot or the owners of course they wanted results and there was 
but but you put self pressure, you put a lot of pressure on yourself to achieve, and and I always felt that you know I'd never rode enough Group One winners, I never rode enough winners, and you know I, I, I was you know nine times champion jockey. All I ever wanted to do was to be ten times champion jockey to get it into double figures. That's the mindset that you had, you know what I mean? So, uh, uh, but I think that I think you have to have that little bit of madness in you, maybe if that's the word, to to keep pushing you forward, to keep achieving, and. Uh, but, that, but as I said, now I'm very, very content with life. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albastiet Cruel Dubai.